this is um, a message coming from all of it in the Methodist Church. Robin Salem and so all those that have made this presentation possible, very attractive girls and Robin Larson, Mike and Boone and Maria and some of their really techies that were trying to get um, services by way of radio and, and television. Uh, radio 980, you know, um, all of my art vehicles that they just have radio station 980 on so the minute I get in which is 980, very, very godly, godly Christian station. Again, um, we want to welcome all those by way of television and radio. And um, it's, it's puzzling times. I just happen to be sitting in, a, in my um, spot um, next to the pulpit here, and I happen to pull up a, a bulletin that from um, May 8th. Yesterday, but it's like over a couple months ago, and my sermon title was "Are You Puzzled About Life?" Are you puzzled about life? And, you know, at that time we had many puzzling things going on in the world, but nothing compared to what, what's going on now in church. I'm going to um, continue along those lines about that Jesus is that that stationary figure in our lives. And, Part one was last week, and part two is going to be this week as we share, um, if you're um, with us, about the odds of, you know, God's word and First Thessalonians. If you have your Bibles by way of radio or television, um, First Thessalonians chapter five, First Thessalonians chapter five, verse nine to ten reads. Listen now to God's word according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 9 to 10. God, say it with me, God has not esteemed for us wrath. Say it with me, wrath. But to obtain salvation. Say it with me, that word, salvation. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live. We talked last last week and the last time we were in the pulpit we were with you by way of radio and television. We talked about the difference, difference between playing the odds with cancer or with the virus. And, and you and I are reminded that we need to put our faith in Jesus Christ. That we need to make sure that Jesus Christ is under our feet. That our lives are not fragile. That we're not on sinking sand, but we're on the solid ground, the granite of life. Well, you may ask this question is this Jesus solid only in the, the by and by? Is this Jesus only in the by and by? Did Jesus kind of start this world and, and, and then say goodbye so long? Occupy until I come again? I think not. This Jesus is a solid rock, not only in by and by, but the here now. That's that's not all. Someone might um, 
hear that and they might say that religious people or maybe Christian people like, like you and I can find hope only in the by and by. If they are saved, saved beyond the grave, they have what they want in the here and now. You heard about the challenges of my life and last week and you came facing some challenges too and I asked you to pray for my mother. She was transferred to the local hospital and she fell three times and some possible disorientation and difficulty in speech. We talked last week too, and we're going to talk this week about the voice of God. The voice of God that God leads us through scripture and tradition, reason and experience. But if we are safe beyond the grave, are we safe in the here and now? But this voice of God they talk about offers they say little involvement right now. But God is involved in our life, not only in the by and by, but in the here and now, and, and makes us happily ever after endings. But what about these in-between times? What about these in-between times that you and I struggle with? Where is Jesus now, right now, during the coronavirus outbreak? And the difficulties that you felt occupied the majority of your, your plate, even before the virus. Well, I guess I do put a, a really high value on joy, and I'm sure that you put a high value on joy, according to Nehemiah 10, the Bible, it says that the joy of the Lord is our strength, that our Joy is not dependent upon circumstances. Happiness may be, but joy is dependent upon the Lord. In Nehemiah's day, they had great destruction and tribulation from all sides of fear of their boundaries. Presence of God after death for unending billions of years is ours in Jesus Christ in the Bible. Bible reminds us of. So you and I, we need to be careful before we belittle the by and by. It just may be, it just may be for you and I that when our by and by is beautiful and sure, your here and now will also be sweet and also be fruitful. You wonder how the fingers of God or how the fingers of Jesus are on this virus? That's what I say in defense of God's sweet word to me, as I said it in the urologist's office. I said, live or die, you, through your Holy Spirit, will be with me. Such hope, such, such hope through the death and resurrection of Jesus makes me and should make you want to pour out our life for the good of others. Jesus said, as you minister unto others, you will be ministered unto yourself. As you overflow 
that overflowing will bless your hearts, and especially for individuals' eternal good. It makes me passionate not to waste my life. It, it, it takes away the dithering and the, and the, the waste of time and labor here upon earth. It fills me with a zeal to make the greatness of Jesus Christ known. It makes me want to spend and to be spent to wear out rather than rust out. And according to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 15, to bring as many people with me into everlasting joy and eternity. But even though that's what I could say when someone objects that the cavers or all of that specializes in the by and by, not the here and now, it's not the only thing that needs to be said. Jesus prepares us for not only the here and now, but the by and by, and all those in-between moments. All those in-between moments. In fact, when, I, when I'm about to say will probably make someone object, they'll say, wow, that's, that's way too much involvement for God in the here and now. But I would challenge you to say that's limiting God's power. Now you've gone from a God who only fixes the future to, to a God who has his fingers, his fingers in the presence, and his fingers in the virus. I want you to deliberate upon two words now, two phrases, two phrases that I've learned to differentiate in just the last few days. It's, I'm fine, and I feel fine. Let's put it this way. People would often ask Randy Taylor before, before my cancer diagnosis, how's your health? How's your health? And I would answer, fine. My health is fine. But I don't answer that way anymore. I say, I feel fine. I feel fine. And there is a difference. The day before I went for that annual prostate exam, I felt fine. I felt fine. The day after I felt fine, I, I was told I had cancer. In other, words, in other words, I was not fine. I was not fine. So even as I share with you these words, I, don't, I do not know if I am fine. So even as I share these words, I do not know if I am fine. I feel fine. I feel fine. I, 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 I can actually say I feel better than I ever deserved. For all I know, I, I have, and I'm being healed of cancer, or perhaps maybe that blood clot that took just about took me here a few years back. Or, or fears of people out there. And I've never seen people so frightened. Imagine that, people so frightened that they wouldn't shake hands or they wouldn't embrace. Family members. Family members that wear face protection. They demonstrate their fears by 
all these means of protection. Now, you may say, what's the point? The point is this. The ultimate reason we ought not to say, we ought not to say, I am fine, is that God alone knows. And Jesus alone decides if you are fine. If you are fine now. To say that I am fine when you don't know if you are fine, for you do not control if you are fine. It's like saying tomorrow, tomorrow I will go to my hometown Eagle Bend and, and I'll do some business there. When we have no idea, and I have no idea if, if I'll ever live or be alive for tomorrow. Let alone doing any business in Eagle Bend, my hometown. Because listen to the words of the Bible. Here's what the Bible says about this sentence. These two phrases like that. The Bible says in James chapter 4, James chapter 4, verse 13 through 15. Come now. Come now. You who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and, and we'll, we'll spend a year and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? What is your life? For you are missed. The Bible says you and I are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, we ought to say, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or that. Yes, if the Lord wills. So the God whom is involved only in the by and by just evaporated. That's the effect of this right sunlight and biblical truth on the ethereal, ethereal mist of our opinions. God is not only true in the by and by and the here and now, but in the in-between times that we struggle with. If God decides, if Jesus decides, we, do, we will do this or that. Now the Jesus, the Jesus I stand on, and I want you to stand on, is the Jesus, is the Jesus of God's rock and action in the world, now and forever. If the Lord wills, the Bible says, we will live. That's about as involved as you can ever get. Not just whether you live or die, you will be with God. But also God will decide if we live or we die now. And not just live or die, he's even more involved than that. If the Lord wills, we will do this or, or that. Nothing is excluded from this or that. He is totally involved. Totally. This health or that sickness, this economic, economic collapse, or that recovery, this breath, or not. Which means that 
While they waited in the doctor's office for the biopsy machine to, to arrive, God could have said, which I believe he said later, you're not. God says to you, and to I, you're not. Whether you live or die, you, you, according to James 4, 13 and 15. If the Lord wills, we will live, and we do this, or we will do that. Have you ever likened your life to a mist that appears in the morning and may dissipate in the afternoon? Through my ministry, I can honestly tell you from week to week, I've seen countless dozens of people pass away, thinking that they always had another day or they had another week. So the God who is involved only in the by and by is also the God that involved in the here and now and in between times. Jesus. Jesus Christ will be with us. And in the meantime, while you and I live, nothing will happen. Nothing will happen that is not according to his appointed time. Romans 8, 28. All things. If I decide you will live, if I decide you will die, and until you die, or or my decision or your decision, I will decide, Jesus says, if you do this or that. We are called to get work. To get to work. To be faithful. Jesus said, I come to do my father's will. Can you say that? I come to do my father's will. I'm going to do my Father's will. And this is the Jesus for today and tomorrow and, and for yesterday and all the eternities. We are to come to Jesus. We are to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And the Bible is a book of invitation. The Bible is a book of invitation. And Jesus is a, it's God in flesh inviting you and I to join in this solid walk. Of Jesus Christ. And what that means will, I hope, become very clear. And my my aim is always to show why God, why God in Jesus the Christ, at this moment in history, at this moment of this pandemic of coronavirus and what it's like to stand not with the feet of clay or but stand on the promises of God and Stand in those faithfulness. Let us pray now. Father God, you remind us in your word according to Esther. Esther 4.14 that we need you for in such a time as this when we thought you couldn't or even you wouldn't or we thought that maybe you weren't there we, we were always there. You were always there. Every breath we took and every racing thought, even in the irrational fears that we had, that our voices would call out in, in such clarity and truth and in those times when we couldn't maybe hear your response. You were, you were there. You were there waiting, waiting for us to acknowledge us. You made you made us for such a time as this. 
When we feel overwhelmed, we're in the midst of struggles, when, when we found ourselves chasing to the finish line for that, that moment of triumph, even when we did fall or fail or fall flat, there in the trenches, you were there. All you had to do was, is to see us and feel us and help us to look up to you. You were made for such a time as this, you remind us. For even when we fail, you can use our failures, and even when we fall short, you can pick us up, and you can take up the slack, and each moment, each challenge, and every triumph, and every failure, there are simply moments for us to make ourselves more and more known by you. You were made for such time as this. You were never alone. You and I were made for such a time as this, and we were never made alone. We are, we are not forsaken. We have been with you from conception, and will be with us throughout eternity. So when we feel overwhelmed, and just know that we are, that you are there, and we are here, and, and together we can accomplish what you called us to do, because you made us for such a time as this. God, we thank you for making us for such a time as this and never, never leaving us alone. We thank you for those who have gone on before us, those veterans of not only a service to God and country, but veterans of the faith that have made it easy for us. You've sent us that Holy Spirit to rekindle the zeal of Christ, waiting, always waiting for us. Pour out that same inspiration on your people and on the church of Christ throughout the world. Revive the power of the gospel in our hearts and that we may be for to us and for us a sacred trust for the blessing of all creation. Enable your church to spend and be spent for the good news and salvation to all that, that need be, O oh Lord. May we hear it. You're still small voice and welcome it into our own lives. Protect us, encourage us, and bless all ministries of all of that, churches of the cross, and prosper our words and our works so that Jesus, being lifted up, may draw all people unto himself and the kingdoms of this world, may become the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior. And all God's children, as they kneel in prayer, thighs closed, hearts open. May they respond by saying, Dear Jesus, may we rededicate all of our efforts and our energies to your kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm going to cover again 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. Well, this time I'm going to cover a pretty unpopular topic God's wrath. I'm not going to use a capital W here, though. I'll use a small case W. 
In chapter 5 of Daniel's book, the seven seals are broken to begin the pouring out of God's wrath. But we're going to be gone. All Christians will be gone. We'll be gone in glory in four, chapter 4, verse 1. But now the undiluted wrath of God falls on those left behind on the earth. The end times of Daniel's book falls between uh, chapter 6 and chapter 19. The order of God's wrath is also noticed in other books. Wars in Matthew 24 and Revelation 6. Famine in Matthew 24, Revelation 6 again. Death, 24, chapter 24, verse 7 and 9. In Revelation chapter 6 again. And martyrdom. They'll be going after the Christians. That's Matthew 24, 9 and 10 here. Uh, verse 16 through 20, 22. Revelation chapter 6, verse 9 11. Both the sun and moon will darken and the stars will fall. Matthew chapter 24, 29 mentions that. And also Revelation 6. Chapter verses 12 through 14. And the last one I'm going to cover is the time of judgment. Or wrath is read in Matthew 24, chapter, chapter 24, verse 32 and 25. And Revelation chapter 6, verses 15 and 17. The general features of Matthew 24 of God's wrath are obviously very similar to the event found in the book of Revelation. Beginning in chapter 6, verse 142. God's display of horrendous wrath and judgment climaxing and at the end of where, where we're living in now, current days. This should not only serve as a warning to those who live carelessly without faith, but also to wake up us as Christians to share the word of God to rescue our brothers and sisters from the coming wrath. God's wrath should not only serve as a warning to the faithless, it should also serve as encouragement to us as Christians. You know what? The more company we have before standing before the throne of God when we pass from here, the better. You'll never do our ever sharing the word, the good word, the news of Jesus Christ to anyone, whether they believe that or not. It never hurts to hear another word about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And also, in Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 19, 21, we can relax about when people do bad or wrong things to us. Because God says, it avenges in yours, it's mine. When people say, give it to God, that's what they mean. Give them your revenge, your anger, your hurt. He can handle it. He's handled much, much worse. We shall all understand that God knew us before we were born here on earth. And also that you're going to make the right decision about your faith in Jesus Christ. The decision that you made for Jesus to have faith in him was actually worth him being died and tortured for. Your decision, your faith, 
was worth it, worth his blood and his agony and pain. We are like grains of wheat. We are sifted through the sieve of the experience or filtered through the seeds of the experience of life. As we are filtered out, when we find the Lord, we find good ground. We take, we take what we saw and we grow and blossom with the sunlight. Not S-U-N, S-O-N, sun's light. I'm going to pray everybody that you come in contact with, you'll have the courage and the ability to say a word. Spread the good news. That sounds right, but it's not. Spreading the good news, it's a call for all of us as members of the Most High God family to share. When I get to heaven, I want to see everybody there. I don't want to see just a couple people standing on my right, a couple people standing on my left. I want everybody, everybody that I've ever known, everybody that you've ever known, should have had the opportunity to hear the word, the saving words of Jesus Christ. Randy spoke of odds last week. Because he has prostate cancer. I, I pray for his healing and his overcoming of that. But you know, when I was hit by a van on my bicycle, I flew 62 feet through the air. I weighed 175 pounds. That's how hard I got hit. When the responders got there, they, I was dead. They physically drug my body inside the road and they started the accident with construction. All of a sudden I choked. They're like, oh. Our body recovery just became a rescue call. To get me in the ambulance, they had to do CPR to get my heart started. Gets even worse. At the hospital at North Memorial, they had to deep them heart three times. You know what was killing me? My cranial pressure index. They have some hospital called CPI. They measure the pressure head. If you're eight or nine, you're critical condition. I was a 19. That's why they had to defibrillate my heart three times. The pressure head in my head was killing me. It just so happened the nation's second-rated neurologist just happened to be there at the time, and they did a craniotomy on me. On me. That's a fancy word of saying skull cap. What they physically did, they took out this cord of my skull, they kept the refrigerator for a week or two, the pressure went down, and they put that bone back in my head. I'm not lucky. I'm blessed. We all are. I left the hospital in a wheelchair and 40 pounds later, six and a half months later, at 33 years old, I had to learn to walk, talk, read, eat, sleep, drive, everything. I had to do everything over at 33. I'm a trainer where I'm working right now. I drive to work without any restriction on my license. I'm married to my beautiful wife. I bought a house. I didn't know what God had in store for me. And you know what? Neither do you. All the more reason for faith. When you have faith, you have God in your heart. You're never alone, ever. When I was in a coma, I wasn't alone. I was with God. God was with me. Remember that whenever you're feeling lonely, sitting in your car or your parking lot, or maybe even sitting on the couch at home, you're not alone. The 
Holy Spirit can be with you, is in you, if you are a Christian and have accepted Christ. You are never alone. Take heart. You have the good news in you. You have the loving arms of Jesus metaphorically wrapped around you 24-7. He wants to hear your prayer. He wants to see your faith. As a matter of fact, that is the only way to get back to Father God. We were there before we were born. We'll be there after we die here on earth. But only because of faith. Thank you very much. Have a blessed day. You know, I want to say it's in my heart right now. Say a special prayer to Pastor Andrew of prostate cancer. And for all those who are sick or have loved ones that are sick or have this virus. I know where that comes from. I know how to defeat it. So let's all pray for our loved ones, for our family, for our friends, for Pastor Randy right now, that the healing hands of the Lord will hug them and fill them with his healing spirit and ability to do so. That is not how he designed us. He did not design us to have cancer. He did not design us to get hit by bands. He didn't sign us to go through divorce. He didn't find us to lose limbs or go blind. That is the work of Satan. I know that sounds overgeneralized, but it's not. It's not good. It's not pure. It's not holy. It cannot, simply cannot ever be from Christ and Father God. So let's pray. Dear Jesus Christ, I'm coming before you right now with my faith and hope that you touch all those that need healing or hurting. They have a disease, they have the virus, or if they're just in a bad position in their, in their life. Touch them, Lord. Heal them. Let them know. Remind them they are not alone. They cannot be alone. Even if they're the only one in their house or apartment in bed, they're not alone. You're with them, Lord with their faith. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to pray again right now, Lord. You touch Randy's. You touch our friends, our families, our loved ones that need your help. Only This help can only come from one place, Lord. That is you. 
Thank you very much, Lord, for this. I have faith in knowing that you will do this. You will touch them. You will heal them. You will heal their relationships. You will heal their bodies. You will heal their attitudes. Lord, it's no greedy lot of that. Let people now look at the virus. When they have problems or are going through difficulties, they should look around them to see how bad things are. They should look above to see how good things are and will be for them. I'm going to pray this in your holy precious name right now, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And those that are in, uh, have lost loved ones too. Yes. And also, I'm going to include uh, those that have lost loved ones. Lord, Jesus, touch them, comfort them, and let them know, even though their loved ones are gone, they are not built, they are not alone, and they will join them at the feet of your holy throne. Thank you, Jesus Christ. In your name I pray, amen. Three minutes. Oh, okay.